0: Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Katie Harms. (gasps) Lisa Rubin. Way to mix it up. I know. I'm getting better, You are, and we only had to practice that six times. (laughs) (laughs) The magic of recording. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. There was no practice involved.
1: Yeah, you just had to, you know, give me a little dig.
0: I just have to give you a little hard time, loosen you up. We have a pretty exciting guest today, I have to say. I am super excited, and I want you to explain
1: how you know our upcoming guest and who she is. So we have Sonia Kashuk coming on today, and I am beyond excited to be able to have her on our podcast. I have known Sonia since I have been 12 years old, but we haven't really spoken or seen each other for over 40 years. And when Katie and I were talking about who we would like to have on as a guest to talk about makeup. The first person I thought of was Sonia because she's the expert and the true pioneer in this arena. And so I reached out to her and she said, absolutely. That
0: is so fun. And I think it's so sweet because her sister, who you're still friends with and see, Sonia's a bit older, yes? A a little bit older, yes. Well, it's going to be fun to find out how that influenced her. And you know, you think about, you came from a family of three girls, and where do you fall in line?
1: I am the oldest, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> I am I, the standard poodle, remember? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, you are. And I think of you as a kid and Sonia, and you really looked up to her and emulated her and shared some great love of fashion and, you know, took it in different directions. So I wonder how much influence we had on our sisters and their friends that we don't even think about, right? My kid's sister's nine years younger than me. You really wonder how much those relationships as young women really influence
1: what you become and what you do and the relationships you have with other women. I think all of that is what happens to us subconsciously, right? And I always admired Sonia. I always really looked up to the drive she had and what I would use the word chutzpah she had, even as I knew her when she was in high school. Right. And I just thought, wow, she's going to really do something one day. And she did.
0: And this was when you were 12, so you had to really have some very serious thoughts, right? 12 to 15, uh, Katie. I had a lot of opinions,
1: I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, gee, that's so shockingly, but when so i were saying that started early, <laughs> yes.
1: <yeah. laughs> but when I was that age, I was always very interested in fashion, but also how was fashion evolving? That was just something that I really watched and I admired the people that came forward, your Audrey Hepburns, your Coco Chanel's, you know, to this day, you know, I still think about all of that. And that probably led me to the career I have right now. But I didn't know that at the time. That's not what I went to college for. It was just something I was always passionate about. You know what, when you speak enough out into the universe, look what happens. I believe in that. So that's so true. So what were your go-to magazines back then? We're going to go down memory lane. Oh my goodness. Mademoiselle. Yes. 17. Mm -hmm. And probably Vogue. Those are probably the three that come up to me instantly, but 17 was a big one. And then later, did Women's Wear Daily come into the mix? Probably when I was in college. But I always would watch the fashions and the trends And it was just so interesting to me, you know, how a lot of people like to watch history, right? Well, there's the history of fashion. And that was something that's always been interesting to me. And I think what you're also
0: doing and you're saying is because you've focused on this as your, as your specialty, not everyone has this ability to do what you do. Not everyone has the ability to do what I do. Whenever we talk about this, I really think it's fascinating because you had that passion early on and I had the passion. I think I've told you I would draw house plans as a kid and show them to my dad and he'd critique them because he was in the building industry. And that passion to have that organization in my life was very early on now. It could have something to do with the fact that I grew up in a 900 square foot home. So space was at a (laughs) We're Trying to figure out how to make it work better. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Under bed boxes were something that I probably could have invented if I was smart enough. But anyway, I think that's fascinating when you really look at how long these passions have been with us. And it will be interesting to talk to Sonia. I'm very excited. I've never been a big makeup person. Neither have I. To me, less is better. And what I've gathered by looking at background information on Sonia is this is
1: really about putting your best face forward, right? Exactly
0: For the best view in your mirror.
1: You know, when I help clients, and I have a lot of clients that refuse to wear any makeup, but the one thing I stress to them, and I am no makeup expert, but as we age, it is important to use a little bit of makeup. And I think we're going to talk to Sonia about this today because it's going to highlight your best features. Because if you don't wear any makeup, you're going to highlight your worst features. And so a little bit of makeup goes a long way. You don't need red lipstick. You don't need blue eyeshadow. You don't need thick foundation. So I hope today we can talk about a lot of those things and help women think about makeup in a little different way. And I think the other way to look at this
0: changes through time of our wardrobes, changes through time of our hairstyles, changes through time of how we apply our makeup. If you look at the styles of home, the colors that are constantly changing, the furniture that's changing, all of that is cyclical. And we joke about the fact that what, now the eighties are kind of coming back in and in clothing and, and influencing in that way. So it's about staying up to date and what makes the most sense for you. I think that's what's really important too and not overdoing it. I think that's the beauty is both of us espouse to the less is more and
1: that will help your best you shine. I agree. And I do say sometimes to clients, just because lime green is the new color for fall (laughs) does not mean that you need to wear lime green if it doesn't look good on you or to wear it on your eyes. So think about those things. I just cannot. I'm trying to
0: think really, is there, has there been a client of yours that would even suggest wearing lime green
1: eyeshadow? No, not a client. That was so, probably a bad example, but I did have, <laughs> no, a client. I did have a client in the day that came to me for the first time and she had purple tights on. She was a prosecutor and she was wearing purple tights with black shoes and a black skirt. And I was interviewing her to help her and I couldn't get past the purple tights. So the first thing that I talked to her about was the fact that we need to take those off and throw them in the garbage. And she is still a client of mine today. That was over 35 years ago. So when you talk to me about color and where it shouldn't be, I remember that all the time. Without further ado, let welcome Sonia to
0: the show. Super excited to have you. And so thankful Lisa has this connection to be able to bring you on. I'm really excited too. Sonia Kashuk, thank you so much for joining us. I know Lisa is beyond excited because she has a history with you. So I have to ask, what do you remember about Lisa as a kid?
2: Uh, spunky, fun spirited, interested, always just had a really good energy. And, um, inquisitive. I I liked people with like an inquisitive kind of mind and and interest.
1: Well, thank you, Sonia. And I always admired you. Uh, I always knew you were going to do big things. And I (laughs) liked watching because you were also very spunky. Yeah, spunky. (laughs) I was, was you you know, and you knew what you wanted. And so I was I've always watched you from a distance your career and wore your makeup when it came out. It's wonderful to have you on.
2: Oh, I'm pleased. Very happy to be here with you guys.
1: So you made an incredible name through Target, but
0: it goes way back beyond that. So talk about leaving Minnesota, how you really got on your trajectory. Was that what you planned to do?
2: You know, I think that when I started doing makeup in Minnesota, I realized like you could be a big fish here in this small pond. But, you know, it's like that old song, if you could make it in New York, you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And I think that I enjoyed my positioning in Minneapolis, and I had a, a lovely, nice life. But I knew that there was so much more out there. And, it, you know, it was interesting, because growing up there, I always kind of felt like an inside outsider, like I, I knew that I was going to go elsewhere and just not even in my head, but in my heart. And I knew there was bigger things out there that I I wanted to see. So I felt that it was really important for me to seek out a lot more. And so I think I realized, you know, it was great. Like people would create schedules based around my schedule like you know there's a photo shoot and I would be like I'm not going to be able to do that and they would like change it and that kind of thing doesn't happen to accommodate my schedule so it was an extraordinary appreciation of those that worked with me and and would be willing to do that for me it was unbelievable but I I just knew it was time to go and it was actually um, I was living with a friend of mine and the apartment we were renting got sold And it was like a sign of like, it's time to go. And I had started assisting for a makeup artist in New York. And so I was traveling back and forth, going to work in New York, assisting this makeup artist and then coming back and working in Minneapolis. But it was a great gig for a while because the work in Minneapolis really paid for me to have the opportunity to assist because assisting you didn't make any money. So I really got my kind of internship paid for that I could afford to continue to do this journey. And that was amazing because my parents were super supportive, but were not in the financial position to have me living this lifestyle. So it, it was amazing that I could support myself with what I wanted to achieve.
0: I feel like there is a business acumen that you have. Obviously, you have a huge creativity piece, but- as I was doing a little background reading on you and how you got to where you were, you, you had to have some business chops in there somewhere.
2: I think I was always intrigued with that kind of right brain, left brain kind of thing. And it was interesting because the agency that I ended up joining later on in my career was an agency called Art and Commerce. And I felt like that captured it all. Like I loved the art and the creative aspect, but I was totally intrigued with business as well. Cause I find that, you know, it's so interesting cause so often people will say, oh, business and it's so cut and dry, but it's not, it's super creative. So I think that although you're saying, you know, I, I use this brain and that brain and whatever, it, it's all the same and it just, Like so often I found almost sometimes the business side to even be more creative than the actual creating of a product. Like it really was like, how do you problem solving and trying to get to what you wanted, you had to approach it very creatively. So, I mean, even dealing with Target, they were amazing and, and I had an extraordinary journey with them, but you're dealing with corporate America. And then, you know, it was me behind the scenes, like understanding how to communicate the needs and the wants and how do I get what I need out of this not for me, but for the brand. And so it it was constantly a, a balance and a fascinating journey of, of balancing and playing with that business creative and teaching those that worked with me as well, the importance of that balance.
0: And it sounds like a lot of problem solving and working through no's that were thrown at you.
2: But I never, won a, one of my Probably my mottos in the office was we never accept no. No is not a word in this office. You know, I think it was always like, you know, if someone tells you no, there's always another way around that. So I think in my life, as in in my work life as well, no doesn't fit into the vocabulary. Because <laughs> you're otherwise you are like you're constantly standing in front of a stop sign If you allow no into your life.
1: I absolutely love what you just said. And that is why you're where you are today, because you never even listened to the word no. It wasn't in your vocabulary, as you said.
2: I try to teach that to my children as well. And it's it's an important two-letter word to understand.
0: It's interesting. We have a friend who's in crisis management, and she has said to me, no is a complete sentence. And I think both can be true. I think there are times, especially when you're guarding your time and you're guarding your family that... That is true. No is a complete sentence. But when you're going after something that you can see it, I feel like you had this ability to see what was down the road if you could just get to the right people to convince them that this is a great idea. Yep. So I think it's fascinating because Target, being a Minnesota company, right, Dayton Hudson, and now they're Target, that whole march. How did you first get into Target? You had this incredible brand. You wrote this book, Cindy Crawford, very integral part of that. How did the idea to put your own line together and then bring it into Target come about?
2: Um, so Cindy and I did co-author Cindy Crawford's Basic Face. And it was actually like uh, that light bulb aha moment of we are actually in a Target store. And Cindy was signing books on another aisle And I was walking up and down the aisles, the makeup aisle, just kind of checking out whatever. I stood there and I thought to myself, you know, if I find this overwhelming, I'm a woman, a mother, I'm a makeup artist, and I find this overwhelming. How must the average woman feel? At that point, Revlon, great brand but they must have been 20 shades of red lipstick and and there's no one there to help you. And there was no social media. There was no way to do any further research. You know, it was also the evolution of the makeup artist brands. Bobby Brown was launching her brand in the luxury market as was Francois Nars and Laura Mercier. And I thought, why not bring something, a makeup artist-based brand to Target and have it edited. I could be both the makeup artist, the editor. So I know what shade of red most women can wear. Because I also had to look at it as universal color. Like all three of us are very different in how we look, but yet there are certain shades of lipstick all three of us can wear and it's going to look good on all three of us. You could line up 10 women And give them this shade of lipstick and it's going to look good on everybody, which is like I'm saying that word universal shades. So I asked around, got in touch with who was, you know, a senior person at Target who then put me in touch with the SVP of beauty at the time, a guy named Kim McGuire. And, you know, you realize in life someone can either give you a yes or a no. And it was a little scary. Now you pop an email off. Those days you had to call and get on the phone and have a conversation, and you don't really know how that's going to go. Luckily, they were familiar with me a bit because since the book Cindy Crawford's Basic Base was a huge success at Target, and and had great response to it. But the first thing that Kim actually said to me, oh, so Cindy wants to do a makeup line. I'm like, no, 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 no. Of course, everybody (laughs) wants to hear, yes, we'll do anything with Cindy. And it was like, no, it's it's me. You know, the little local yokel from behind. The thing that was, was so great about Kim is that he gave me the opportunity. Like, well, you know, he was open to listening. I think so many of us in our life, if you don't recognize a name quite clearly as somebody you kind of like that, that opportunity is just taken away from you. But I think sometimes if we give somebody an opportunity to present something and just listen, it can be quite interesting. So I put together a whole presentation and off I went to Minneapolis. And you know, the thing is, I I wasn't born in Minneapolis, but I lived there from 1968 till about 1980. And I've had such this incredible connection. I mean, I guess those were like opportune years of spending time in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I consulted for the Abeda Corporation from 1989 until 1997. So Minneapolis-based. And then came Target. So I've had two extraordinary companies that I had the opportunity to work with, both based in Minneapolis. So Minneapolis has a very special place in my heart, Minneapolis, St. Paul, I shall say. And it, it gave me incredible opportunity. So back to Target. And then with that said, they loved the presentation I had given. And, you know, it was a first of many, my brand. It was the first time a makeup artist was going to the mass market. It was the first professional-based brand of any type of thing like that. It was the first time affordable brushes were ever being offered like that's why I became like the brush queen because you could never ever prior to my brand launching buy an affordable brush and that was something that was super important to me when creating and establishing the brand was you know as a painter you can't paint a great picture without great brushes or whatever it is you know how you tend to paint so I knew how expensive brushes were and that I wanted to bring great quality. The whole key to me always was great quality, but at affordable price points so that women everywhere could have access to the best in beauty. And by partnering with Target, I was actually in a weird way, the first direct to consumer brand because of partnering with Target, we could actually go from manufacturing right to retail. And prior, as you know, you know when you go and launch at retail, there's many different levels you have to go through before it actually hits the shelves at your store. So we were able to eliminate all of those costs. So truly, we were the first direct-to-consumer brand. Just it wasn't online. It was on shelf. And I think the quality that I was able to present to women, were they were blown away. It was like there was... Brands that had already existed that were like, oh my God, how is she doing this? Knowing that I was taking brands that were being sold at Neiman Marcus and quality of product, and that I was selling it for way below what they were selling it for on the shelves at Target. So I think what people recognized in the brand immediately was beyond the design, was the quality. And that's, I think, really placed us on the map because no matter how great a brand looks, if you don't have quality behind it, you've got nothing, you know? And so luckily everybody would clearly recognizing the quality and hence that, you know, the brand has outpaced me. I exited the brand, um, Target bought the brand in 2015 and the brand, you know, they weren't doing the makeup. I think that was difficult because they didn't have somebody like a makeup artist running and how to, they they got a little lost in translation, but they're still focused on the accessories and the makeup bags. And the brand is still on the shelves at Target, which is really extraordinary.
0: I think Target's gone through changes too, just as they're trying to identify their market and how to best go forward and so much has changed with COVID. It sounds like when you had this idea and you approached Target with it, you didn't actually have the product. That was something you had to build,
2: the actual absolutely, product. but I knew the lab. I basically had said to Target, I didn't have physical product to show them, but I had in a weird way physical product but not developed yet, but because I had worked for Aveda and I had worked on the makeup brand and I had already established a relationship with this top manufacturer in Milan that was like hands down the only manufacturer i was interested in working with. And do fantastic.
1: they still use that manufacturer today? That- they don't
2: because that that particular manufacturer was the one that did the cosmetics and they're not doing cosmetics today, but i i believe they're still using a lot of the same manufacturers for you know cosmetic bags, brushes, i assume not really sure, I'm not so privy to that, but all of the manufacturers i brought to the brand and to target. We were with them for close to 20 years. It's incredible. It, I
0: really I think it I think it's the first set of brushes that I purchased. Yeah. I'm it is the first positive. set of brushes
1: I also purchased. And I have to be honest, you'd probably cringe to know this, but I still have some of them. <laughs> I no, know you're you so You know what? Incredible. I'm not cringing.
2: as long as you wash them, I'm all good. You know, oh, if you wash them Of course I wash them. <laughs> but I I think And as long as they're washed brushes, they last. If you take care of your brushes, keep them clean. I'm one of those neurotic types that like every time I use a brush in the morning, I immediately wash it right then and there at my sink, lay it flat to dry next to me so that I'm always using a clean brush every time something touches my face. I'm like that kind of craziness. I I don't think so. I'm sort of
1: neurotic about that too. What should they wash their brushes with?
2: Whatever. I mean, I have the Dove bar soap at my bathroom sink that's sitting on the side. I had brush cleaners, Uh, anything that is got some type of a detergent in it. And so that as long as it's all clear and free of bacteria and all good, it's totally whatever is most convenient. As long as they're washed, I'm not going to tell you, you have to use this, just make it convenient.
1: And do you recommend using brushes for
2: applying any
1: type of makeup?
2: It depends on what you're doing. I mean, creams, depending on the type of brush, a lot of times I like these brushes, fingers for creams of like just blending things in. It's like finger painting. But I would say 80% of the time I'm using brushes. It depends on how sometimes a foundation brush, sometimes my fingers, you know, it really depends on what I'm trying to do. When I'm working on others, Always brushes, even a foundation brush, just because I feel like it's a little bit more clean and clinical. But on myself, to be honest, sometimes it's fingers, not like for eyeshadows or anything that needs a little bit more precision, always a brush, but like foundations or like a cream blush or... Concealer. Sometimes I'm just with my fingers because I feel like just the the warmth from my fingers gives that little bit of um, it. Kind of gives it a little more melting into the skin.
0: One more question, then we're going to take a quick little break. Tell me, in the day and age that we're in right now, could you have done what you did?
2: You know, I don't know. I really don't know. You know, today the world is so obsessed with celebrity, of which I am not, and didn't have that type of following, I would hope you could because for all different people out there, I I, want to give them a sense of hope and purpose. So I'm going to say and be positive and optimistic that it could. Would it be more difficult? The world is so very different, especially with this onset of social media and how much, you know, so much of like even people going and joining brands or doing things with companies is... Based on how many followers you have and things like that, and I'm I'm a little leery of some of that stuff, but I'm gonna say yes just because I I'm I'm putting out that positive energy. Say yes. Oh,
0: wonderful! And that hope is phenomenal and hard work. Yeah, because we cannot negate the amount of hard work that went into what you did, and I think when you're looking back at something, it's easy to maybe gloss over that, but I have to believe that is one of the no, things it, it, that... you know it's
2: interesting because I realized afterwards, I, I stayed on with the brand for like 18 months. And I think after that, I felt like my body kind of wither away in a sense of like not realizing how much it took. maintaining and excelling and thinking differently and always making sure there was something fresh and new. It's not about what you've done. It's like, what are you going to do? And living with that kind of pressure all the time is is hard.
0: Yeah, I can see it. We've got lots of follow-up questions. I want to really talk about what drives you now, what you're working on, but we're going to take a quick break. But before we hit the commercial for Rustica Bakery, we want to thank Rustica for their sponsorship of our podcast for the last year. We are really fortunate to have them on board and we are coming up to Thanksgiving. And last year for Thanksgiving, I actually ordered all of my breads and pastries from Rustica Bakery, and it was well loved by everyone. Absolutely, a treat. So give yourself a treat. Go to rusticabakery.com. Make sure you put in an order for your holiday treats and you will not be disappointed. Stay tuned. On the View in Your Mirror podcast, we love sharing our personal favorites. Rustica Bakery is high on that list and we know you're going to agree. Rustica has two locations. They're original at 3224 West Lake Street in Minneapolis, across from Calhoun Commons and Whole Food Market and Southdale Center next to Lifetime, where you'll enter without even going into the mall. Both have ample parking. Either online or in-store, bread, breakfast, dessert, treats, a menu sure to allow you to find a personal favorite in no time. Online ordering is a breeze, and curbside pickup is an option. Available in-store only are savory menu items. Think, grab and go for lunch or enjoy them there. Brunch items are offered Friday through Sunday. My personal favorite is the Take and Bake Cookies, available online or in-store. Truly a capstone for any get-together and in just 15 minutes from package to plate, a memory to make. We highly suggest you always have these in your freezer. Rusticabakery.com. Find the food and drink you adore or try something new. Rustica Bakery puts the love shown by their customers back into every item baked. At Rustica, you're among favorites. And we are back. We were talking before the break about next projects. I think we touched on it a little bit. What's interesting when somebody retires or moves from one project to another is trying to determine where your value comes from. What's your purpose now? If you've changed your purpose, you've given up a big chunk of what you did. So what's next? It's
2: funny when I think about purpose, my husband and I, were we have these discussions all the time that in life, you have to have purpose or spark. And my daughter, Sadie was called us that back a few months ago. And it's like, Oh my God, did you guys watch the movie soul? The animated movie soul. And we were like, no. And they said, you know, it's all about basically having purpose and spark. And so this is a, it's funny that you bring this up because it's a very, um, ongoing conversation in our household. And I think that my purpose at this point, or in the last even couple of years was to be focused on my family. You know, I was a mother, and I had an incredible nanny that helped me out. And I could have never have done what I have done without her. But it was time for me to give time to my family. And we, we moved, we left um, New York, we moved to Miami. And so we kind of rebalanced our life. And I guess I took control of changing a next chapter. So I feel like I've done so many different things and I was working, I was working on a home and I I love home too. It's creative and, and interesting. And so that's kind of been my thing now. And I think there's so much that they bring to the table that I don't understand in terms of digital world and branding today or just being in business today. And they understand that and I don't. So I feel like there could be a very interesting yin and yang with us all. You know, it's funny because as my kids were growing up, my office was on the second floor of the building in which we lived in. We lived on the fifth floor and my office was on the second floor. And I would always say to anybody that was in my office, just know there could be a kid at the table because they would always come in after school, take a seat at the table And like Jonah would be like the sponge and sit there and not talk, but just listen. And and for years and years and years. And Sadie was more like circles on her bike, like, oh, I'm gonna work on nail polish names or I'm gonna help the girls do, you know, shade names for this. So they were always involved and always were a part of it, which was an extraordinary way for being a mother and working to have them be a part of it, so they really grew up with within the world of beauty, and so it wouldn't surprise me if something came out of this all together. But they know so much more today than I know. I mean, it's it's so important what I know, but their knowledge of today's world and business today, it's very different than it was, you know, twenty plus years ago. So it, it's all hopefully comes together holistically where we can all excel at what we each do independently and what we do collectively.
0: That will be fun to see what comes out of that collaboration. Yeah. Just a little bit of time talking to you. I feel like manifestation is something that is Practiced heavily in your family, and that will be a fun thing to see. see, I don't
2: know, but I, my husband always says, Open yourself up to the universe, you know, and put out good energy, and hopefully you get that good energy back. So,
0: well, and he knows of which he speaks because he is also in the beauty business. Yes.
2: Yep. It's like we used to say, there was a lot of hair and makeup going on at our house.
1: (laughs) That was good. All right. (laughs) That's fabulous. Speaking speaking of of makeup, let's get down and dirty about things that the do's and don'ts of putting makeup on because as you age, I think particularly yes. So age appropriate makeup, Sonia. And as we age, what are the key things that you think are important to talk about?
2: For sure. For sure. For sure. As you get older, I know you both have heard this a hundred times, but I can't emphasize it enough of less is more. Um, I, I, I'm such a believer in like minimal amount of makeup, and there's minimal, minimal makeup, but yet key items. I think eyelashes. I'm not a huge fan of like the lashes that people put on because I if, sometimes I see them and they're where you put them on more semi-permanently because some fall out, and it, you, sometimes they're like very pasty and weird. But when needed, like even applying a fake lash to your eye just for the evening gives you so much bang for your buck. Like it really, really makes a huge difference. Um, And like, no one talks about like our eyelashes go straighter. They, you, it's just, you lose some of that. No one ever really has those discussions with you. Um, keeping like brows in check, but not overly strong, kind of just keeping the face overly balanced where it's just like, where you look fresh, um, not too much foundation, minimal and like, find the thinnest foundation possible. Blush is always definitely like a creamy blush. Powders, as we get older, I would say cream is more your friend just because it melts into the skin more. Powders can be tricky, you know, stay away for sure from like any like pressed powders or loose powders, go with the glow for sure. Like glowier skin will always be fresher, prettier than powder. I'm also a big lover of bronzer in combination with blushes because I just think it gives you a little bit of warmth and like not to lips that are, and again, are lips thin. So even using lip pencils that you can overdraw the lip a little bit, but in your own natural lip tone. You know, as we get older, I love a red lip. I think it looks great, but not necessarily as you get old I just think it's more thinking about a little bit of a well-balanced fresh face
1: so you had mentioned earlier in the podcast that there's universal lip colors correct Yep. what would be one that you would describe to somebody so that they could understand what that means
2: okay so like for instance like uh if you had like a a pinky beige a pinky with a little bit of brown in it because it's funny because when i first started doing makeup many years ago a lot of the lipsticks were a little bit more brown based
1: and they are,
2: they're a little bit easier to wear because they're just a little bit softer, but yet you don't want to go brown, but it's just that little bit of warmth in it that gives a little bit of warmth without, it like if you have a pink and it's too bright and can go too neon or it sometimes can almost turn kind of gray, it's weird with certain pinks. So just keeping everything as kind of neutral, thinking about things on a neutral tone, like any kind of mauves, and where it can run a gamut of like a mauve pink or a, a mauve kind of nude and, and more in that kind of like range of color that it, it's not, it doesn't jump. It doesn't go away. It's just kind of like as close to your own natural lip color as possible.
1: That's perfect because that's exactly what I recommend to people. I mean, yeah. when should, when should a woman wear red lipstick?
2: Not very often. And especially because- <laughs> I
1: like that answer.
2: <laughs> no, because what happens is even as we age, our lips go thinner. So then if you have a thin, it just like red lips look great on a, on a nice big pout. Not when, as we're aging and our lips are getting thinner, but if you are going to ever rock a red lip, I would be like almost nothing else on the rest of the face. Maybe a little bit of mascara, some blush to balance out that paint, like a blushed out pinky cheek. and that will balance out that red. And that's about it. You do not want to be in any kind of dark on the eyes with a red lip at all, especially on it as we age.
0: Sonia, what's your morning routine?
2: Morning routine is usually up workout. I I've, especially it's interesting, like through COVID and especially, I mean, I always have worked out always, but in the last few years, and I guess as I have more time on my schedule, now it's like I work out every single day. I feel like you know, more than ever. Now we have to keep our minds and our bodies super healthy. And I, you know, being in Miami now through the winter, I swim a lot, which has been great. Cause I do notice like I had a hip replacement, so I can't run like I used to, but I do walk a lot and do a lot of work still on the treadmill at like fast pace or playing with those things. Biking, I try to figure out something every day. But as I'm aging, I notice the pool is probably one of the better things I can do because I don't hurt after. And I've been trying to get my husband because he'll get up off the couch. He's like, oh my God, do you hurt? And I'm like, sometimes, but pool really helps. So working out is 100% 100% a part of my day every day for at least an hour and a half, whether it's usually in the morning. And then I'm kind of on doing calls, meetings, whatever it may be. But yeah, morning. It's definitely I'm more effective in the morning. I'm not one, like my daughter will call me and it's, you know, 7.30 at night and I'm like, I'm, she's getting on the Peloton. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I <laughs> never do that. Never. Yeah, at night I kind of turn into like, I don't know, not, not to get uh, like, I'm more like what's on Netflix. You know? Yeah. I,
1: that's exactly <laughs> me. I'm a morning person. But yeah. do you put makeup on every day?
2: Absolutely not. Like I would say I put makeup on when I'm talking to you guys. Cause, or I, I would say probably a lot of days, nothing. I, I'm super, super big into skincare. I love my facials. I don't do, I haven't done a ton of work on my face. I have used Botox. And that's about it. I find like some of the fillers for me personally, they look too artificial. And I feel like as we age, it's funny, I always had this like super round face as a kid. And, you know, now that I'm older, look at I'm more like, you know, I'm more sunken in, but I'm like, it's weird, because that's just natural of what happens to our face. And so if you're doing things to counteract that, it just doesn't look natural. And I, I was laughing because I was saying to my dermatologist, I'm like, you know, I don't know. I know, you know, dermatologists hate you getting tan and I'm, I'm very careful. I always have a hat on or I'm I'm definitely sunscreen and I'm careful. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know, maybe I should just give all that up and like become, I think of the Italian women and they get tan and they have on all their gold jewelry and they look so <laughs> great. And I'm thinking... I don't know. There must be something to like looking natural and looking healthy and but well, it's
0: interesting because I'm looking at you and because we're we're recording this via Zoom, so we get the pleasure of looking at you through it, although it's a podcast, so there will be no audio or with no video with it, but I'm looking at you and you're glowing. So whatever you're doing, and when you say I'm sunken in, it's interesting how we describe ourselves. And what are we basing that on? Who are we comparing right. it to? Right. And I think that's something that's so important too. You do these things because they make you feel better yep. about who you are in the presentation you put forward
2: right. yep. into
0: the world. Yeah. And I love your, I love your statement. Less is more. I think Yeah. That's I mean, we hear so it all important. the
2: time, but it's, it's three really powerful words, you know, you know, it's like all of these words in life are so strong, like less is more. And the other two that I always say are two really powerful words is what if, you know, like these things that have so much power, but you know, I'm just a believer, like you said, and like, for me, I'm not one that's doing a lot of work. And I, you know, I know. We all, I think women in their sixties ta- have the discussions about facelifts or this or that, and what do I do and how do I do it? And it's all, no one can tell you what to do. It's all personal choice, but, and you know, how we approach it all is such a personal thing. But I guess the most important thing is to be happy with who you are and whatever it is that you put forward.
0: Yes. And I think understanding that the people who are in our lives are not looking at us as anything is wrong with us. Like right. there's nobody that would come up to you and say, you know, I think you'd look a whole lot better if you did a little Botox or, right. nipped you know, everyone is looking at the full Sonia or the full Lisa or the full Katie. And I've said, you know, having been many different weights going through health things and all of that, nobody loves me because I'm one size or another size. There's something so much more inherent in us as women that we focus on that stuff. And that's not really where anyone else focuses on us. So I think right. that's so important too. And what I love, I mean, you are you built this brand, you did this amazing thing with it, and still you edited it. I, I don't think we talked enough about the fact that editing for you was so important. I know it's incredibly important in Lisa's life. It's important in what I do. And I think that's also another key to take away for women is, In the less is more category that has to do with the editing of your clothes, the editing of the stuff around you that clutters all of, all of what you do.
2: Yeah. Don't you think as we all age and get, you know, declutter, like edit, 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 declutter, edit, like, it's just, it's constantly there all the time. And that like, you know, less is more comes in, not just to our makeup routine but to our life, like, it's weird how, you know, we, we start out and we want more, more, more. And, you know, I, I, like, I try to teach my kids, like I'll walk into their apartment. They have so much stuff around them. Like, oh my God, like, you know, how can you think, how can you, um, but it, it is, it's weird. As you get older, you definitely find yourself kind of letting go. And it just feels so good to um own like less is more on on like I said again on and every aspect of our life.
0: And that everything you has have and that you do keep has a has a true function. Yeah. I Absolutely. think that's the other important thing.
1: So I yeah. have I have to have a couple more questions. I've had yes. clients that yep. have asked me, I told them I was having uh, an expert in makeup on and a couple of things that they asked me was let's talk eyeliner. Like yep. how do you make an eye bigger? If you have small eyes or things, what can you do with makeup or not with makeup to make your eyes look a little bigger as we age and they kind of droop a little bit? If you don't
2: have a with your liner and like have it softly smudged, like on the upper lash line, like up above, don't put liner below if your eyes are small, because it's only going to shut them down more. And then maybe a little bit of a very light kind of neutral color into the crease because it kind of will help recede it and kind of open the eye up Um, and just stay away from anything. Stay away from metallic, stay, stay with mattes. use, always use an eyelash curler always because that opens up the eye when necessary. And when it's the right time, you can use a false lash. And I'm not talking like the Kardashian lashes. I'm talking, you can buy very natural looking lashes that just give, a little bit more emphasis without looking false like sometimes people wouldn't even know you're wearing a lash but it it has like so you get so much bang for the buck uh it's incredible
1: are they um, easy to put on
2: i think they are the main thing is like your positioning at the makeup mirror and knowing that you can actually see into it so that you can see exactly what you're doing, but okay. they are, once you get the hang of it and you have a tweezer in a hand and you know, and you're at the right angle on a mirror, it's, it's definitely easy.
1: And then you just take them off at night and put another yeah. pair on if you want. Okay.
2: Yep. Cool. You can use, I, I oftentimes will take mine off. I put them in a little container and I reuse them. You can just, you can like the little, you use very little amounts of glue and you can just kind of even clean the little bit of glue off and you can reapply them.
1: And then use no mascara if you're going to do that. No,
2: sometimes you can, because sometimes you can even take an eyelash curler and put your, the false lash and your own lash almost become one. So sometimes you take the eyelash curler over both the lash you've applied and your own lashes. So it really forms into like, you know, those two become one. Um, but if you're not using a lash for sure, for sure, use an eyelash curler. Cause it just, you know, as, as again, as we age, our lashes come down this way and it becomes like this veil, like it just shuts us down. And by using the eyelash curler, it opens us up. Okay. Even if I'm not wearing mascara or even wearing makeup, I will curl my lashes just to open up my eyes more.
1: I curl my eyelashes every morning. Yeah. I brush my teeth, put my contacts in and curl my eyelashes. So it's funny you say that because I have like an old-fashioned original eyelash curler. Right. And I thought I was just being old.
2: (laughs) No, it definitely is a great tool to have.
1: Okay. And another question is... Should we be using, if we're going to use foundation, should you use a primer? You know, you see primer and setting spray and foundation and you know, how much really is important?
2: I would say primer is great. If you want it, if you choose to use it, the most important thing really, even beyond a primer is your moisturizer. Like use a great moisturizer, keep your skin hydrated, especially for you guys in Minnesota through the winter, it's drying. So you know, one of the things that I think is really important to invest in is a great moisturizer, because if you have a great moisturizer on and it gives the skin glow and you use a nice sheer foundation, that glow will come through. So you guys talk about like the glow, like I'm in, it's, it's really not so hot here. today. It's like 70 degrees. So it's not hot, but I use very, very strong moisturizers um, that are really rich. And then I'll put a little bit of you know, very minimal amount of foundation on top of that. So I feel like that moisturizer helps give me that glow. So it's really that combination of your moisturizer with your foundation of achieving that glow and really like keeping your, like, you know, I know so many women like, oh, I want to powder my nose. I want to, but like forego the powder. Like it, it really, um, let it go.
1: Okay, that's good to know. And one more thing, eyeshadow, yep. Yep. dry eyeshadow, wet eyeshadow, and you kind of uh, talked about this already, but a shimmer eyeshadow, doesn't that add more creases to your?
2: Yeah, I stay with matte, go with matte, definitely stay with matte. And again, like in more neutral tones, like nothing like careful with whites, careful with even grays that might have white in them, stuff that's just a little bit more neutral in color. But even sometimes like even like a pinky beige eyeshadow color can look really pretty. Um, And, you know, even like light lab purples can look really pretty on like, you know, depending on hair color. Um, Again, it's just all about looking for like, what is that super fresh approach and what's going to keep me looking fresh um, without looking to kind of, where you just become too beige. You want a little and, bit of pop of color. And being able to embrace our age. Absolutely. I, think aging,
0: I think aging is beautiful. I mean, it beats the alternative, right?
2: <laughs> no, I, you know what? I'm such a, um, my, my husband always says to me, you know, Sonia, you're like a, a young punk or something. <laughs> I, I think truly, you know, we're all defined. We all have an, we all have an age of that is, we're defined by But truly age is defined by this and how you feel, how we, um, the image we put out, what we, what we wear. Like, I know this sounds ridiculous and I'm not saying it's right for anybody else, but it's right for me. Like I rarely wear dresses anymore, unless I wear like a long kind of more hippie dress because I feel like too lady. Like, I'm like, I want to be cooler. I want to be, you know, that's the image I want to project. But it makes me feel younger versus if I'm, you know, depending upon what I'm wearing. I mean, I wouldn't wear a short skirt. I am like my knees have to, you know, I, I there's certain things that we all have our like things about, but I, I would say that I dress super casual and like definitely with like a twist because it makes me feel better. And I think that's the, the one person you have to that needs to feel. Good is
0: you. And you are so right. It's a state of mind. Your aging is a state of mind. The numbers are going to happen. Yep. Everyone Hopefully. has the same 365 days in a year if we're all fortunate enough to get through those years. So, really, it's whatever you're going through, what's in your mind. I want to get a clarification on one thing. Yep. Then we have a question that we ask to everybody that Lisa's is going to ask you. Then I want to talk about cancer <laughs> and careers. So, yep. the clarification that I need from you is when you said no shimmer, eyeshadow, stay with the matte. Mm -hmm. Earlier, we talked about no powder. So is there a matte in a cream?
2: No, you can use a powder on your eyeshadows as long as it's matte. So I I would say on an eyeshadow where I'm talking no powders is more face. Like I would go with cream blushes um, on anything that where we can maintain glow in our skin. But on our eyeshadows, I'm fine with using... Sorry for that. Uh, I hope it wasn't confusing. More powder eyeshadows I'm okay with, but I would keep it just to the eyes more so than, and not the face.
0: Okay. That's great. Thanks clarification. for that
2: clarification.
0: Yeah.
1: Wonderful. Okay. Lisa,
2: I have a question that we ask our guests. If you
1: were if, a dog breed, what dog, if breed? I was, if you were a dog breed, what dog breed would you be Sonia?
2: Well, I I mean, that's kind of, I'm going to give, I don't know if I'm giving the best um, answer, but we have had a poodle for, uh, she's going to be 17. So I guess I'm partial to our little um, Jesse, who is a small toy poodle. Um, Except I do love standards too, because I think they're so (laughs) evil and poised. So I don't know, maybe I'd be somewhere between a standard and a toy. So guess what? I
1: I say I'm a standard poodle. Oh really? That's funny. Katie's a labrador.
2: Oh yeah. That's
1: funny. So I am. I have been. Um, I don't. I don't know that I would describe
0: myself any differently than that. Though this question came up because somebody asked Lisa, somebody who you probably know. Yes, probably yes. Asked Lisa, tell me about Katie because she knew Lisa, and Lu- right. Lisa came up with this. Well, you know, Katie's like a standard poodle, and no, of course Katie, then you're the like the Labrador. I'm sorry, I'm- like a Labrador, and of course the follow up question was then, what are you like, Lisa? Oh, so she was the standard poodle, which is which is great, and it's been a fun question to ask people and find out how they determine
2: yeah it's funny their personality funny because jesse our poodle is is very small but very mighty and and very determined um but there's something about the graciousness and the chic um high performance of a standard poodle yeah it's fun that's funny that's a good question
0: I, we love to ask it. I think it was, and it was, it came across so organically that it's been perfect. Let's talk about cancer and careers. You have been personally touched by cancer deeply for generations.
2: Yes. So, um, I am from a family that, um, my grandmother died of breast cancer you know, it was way many years ago and she did not go for any um, type of screening camps, you know, uh, nothing. So unfortunately she lost her fight at age 51. My mother also diagnosed around the same age, but was fine. Um, I lost my mom two years ago, but that was two more dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, but my mom, like again, 51 breast cancer and you know, my mom lived till 89. So she was great. um, In terms of dealing with breast cancer, I was diagnosed at 47, you know, very, very, very strong family history was actually in the high surveillance program at Sloan Kettering. And basically, they said to me, Sonia, it's not if, but when and when we'll get it early, and you will be fine. And which is exactly what happened. I did do a double mastectomy because I didn't, you know, I had young children at the time. I didn't want any, I I just was like, you know, you can never be too aggressive with cancer is my belief. And it was, it it just, you know, with family um, discussion, that was just where we went. And I, you know, knock on wood have been great. And I was lucky to become involved um, through uh, there's a an amazing organization for the beauty industry called cosmetic executive women. And um, God, I think it was almost 20 years ago. Now they founded um, the charitable arm of cosmetic executive women, which became cancer and careers and an extraordinary organization because it was the first of its type. And I think it still is the only one today that really deals with cancer in the workplace. So um, for men and women, Um, Although cosmetic executive women is a lot of executive women in the cosmetic world, cancer and careers deals with all. So, you know, what are our rights? If you are diagnosed with cancer, what are your rights in the workplace? You know, do you have to share? What rights do you have? And there's so many unknowns of what happens. Um, and, you know, you, you, your, your whole world goes upside down. And unfortunately, we all have to work both. And, you know, it's interesting because we, you know, we all need the support financially, but you also need the support emotionally. Like, you know, I had a friend going through something. Uh, a breast cancer thing too. And she had to go for radiation. And she said the best thing she could do after each dose of, you know, when she was going through radiation therapy was head back to work because it was, you don't sit home and think about what do I, about me all day long. You can put your energy um, into something more positive than something, you know, difficult and hard to kind of work through. So I have been involved with that, and it's been really extraordinary. And seeing the lives that we touch, and um, you know, so often you hear people talk about work, and you know, I, I'm going in for a job interview after a cancer diagnosis, and you know, saying like, I have no guarantees of, of will I remain healthy? How will I, you know? But like you realize in life, none of us have any guarantees, right? So I think you know wherever we can help to educate um, and that we're all the same, we're all experienced difficulty. We all, you know, no one has the perfect ride, but it's all whatever we can do to help us kind of navigate a difficult journey and cancer and careers has taken that lead. And it's really been fascinating to watch what they've done.
0: Thank you for your work with that cancer There is the information on the website is is phenomenal. Yes, it's wonderful. And from the financial, from the legal, um, the emotional, all of that support is there. It's an organization I hadn't heard of, and I'm really happy to know about it. And I know Lisa has a story with um, cancer has been in her world.
1: So Sonia, my mom was the director of Susan G. Komen. Minnesota for 35 years Wow! because my grandmother was diagnosed with breast cancer. Shortly after that, I don't know if it was five or six years. My mom heard about Susan G Komen and she brought the affiliate to Minnesota. Wow. And she became the director. She just retired at 81 years old.
2: Wow. That's amazing.
1: And um, so I have lived my, you know, half of my life with my mother being very much a part of a nonprofit for breast cancer. And wow, my sister, my youngest sister, Julie, I don't know if you remember her, um, is also a breast cancer survivor. And so, um, it's really wonderful to watch and to be able to be a part of helping women. This was mostly men, women, but there were a few men that participated and helping them on their journey. Yeah. So, um, you, the organization that you talked about, I went online right away and I actually told my mother about it. Ah. Um, Cause I told her I was recording with you. She remembers you. And oh, she said, Oh, funny. honey, I'm going to look into that right away because my mother's never not worked. Right. And she literally retired in August. That's
2: incredible. So
1: she's looking that's into inspiring, that. Huh?
2: Like I was going to say, even when we were talking before about age, like, is there nothing more inspiring and like giving you those like those moments of like seeing an older like you know we're all getting there but like if I see somebody that's like in their 70s or 80s and they like with an incredible sense of style and like joy de vie and like it's just it's so inspiring for me of like seeing women that like really own it and celebrate it and just look incredible.
1: That's, and that's, that's what I've a- made a career out of doing. I mean, a lot of my clients that started with me, I've been doing this over 38 years, and they have been with me. And now they're either sitting on boards, or they're starting to retire, and they, they they're trying to find their purpose. Right. And they're like, well, Lisa, now what do I do with my clothes? I go, what do you mean? What do you do with your clothes? We just kind of modify what you're doing, right? And um, it's really important. Um, yeah. to talk about that, to embrace it, to think about it. And some of my clients are like, Lisa, aren't you going to retire soon? You're in your sixties. And I'm like, I haven't even thought about retiring. So don't worry about it.
2: <laughs> yeah. You
1: love, I'm what, passionate like, you love about what you what do. I do. Um, yes, yeah. yes. And I think that the
0: word retire, I heard a new word and I can't remember right now. And Rewire. I'm so mad. Rewire. 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 That's I what I always so talked about when I was perfect. leaving.
2: Yeah. When I was leaving Target, it's like, I'm not retiring. I'm just rewiring.
0: We can have multiple careers and lead. And I think the beauty that we get as we age is that we can, we can be more selective. It's not necessarily tied to a financial need, which is something else and we have the desire to give back to others. And I think that multitudes of people that are coming to this place in their lives, just like you said, you pay attention to those that are that have a presence, no matter what age they are. And I think that's the that's the biggest takeaway that we can have today is to continue to be that presence for ourselves and for others
2: around us. You know, it was interesting. I mean, Associated, but a little bit different. So I was talking to a friend of mine who had moved down here from New York, male, but still, this is all focused for women as well. And he said, you know, I must have had twenty-five Tom Ford suits. And he's like, I'm still working, but now I'm going to work in a pair of jeans and a t-shirt, and I'm I'm owning and controlling who I am, and not, that's what I'm going to wear now. I'm I, I I've worn the suit, not doing it. And he said, you know. It was with such joy that I gave all of those suits away. I called like people that I knew who were going in and interviewing and said, come, you know, and paid it forward of like, here, take all of this. I'm happy to just buy my jeans and t-shirts and like, you know, for your women, Lisa, they can go and like, you know, the dresses that they might not be needing anymore. There's so many young people out there or whomever it may be that are in need of that. Like how great to be able to like give to, for that next person that's walking in and needs that type of wardrobe. Um, God, it's just a win win all the way around.
1: Yeah, I, yep. I, I do that a lot with clients and I yeah. tell them different organizations, or if, even if I know somebody, yeah. I say, I- I'll take that. I know who I can give that to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So. Don't hide it in your closet. It's not doing Don't anybody hide it any in your good there. Or
1: under your bed. <laughs> or, yeah. under,
0: or under your bushel, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> funny. Well,
1: yeah, Sonia, this right. was absolutely wonderful. You
2: are ah, thank you. Just thank you guys. Fabulous
1: to talk to. Um, you look amazing. Thank you. And I wish you and your family the best.
2: Thank you. And happy thank you, birthday. Guys.
1: Thank you. Yes. Happy birthday. And we'll look thank forward you. to seeing what comes out of the
2: the family. Yeah. Never know. You never know in life. You know, you never say never.
1: Exactly. You never say never. Let's end with that one, Katie. Yeah, I love it. Perfect. Thanks, Sonia. All right.
2: Thank you, guys.
1: Elisa, are you flying at a different elevation right now? I am flying at a different elevation right now, Katie. And I want to tell you something. I took all my notes and I put them in a pile and set them away. Yay, Elisa. I did that on my own. So that's a first. You know what? Proof that we can all change and grow and learn new things. Yeah, I guess in season three, what is this episode four? I finally put my own notes away. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's delightful. What a wow. fun she
0: is! What a just... fun connection to have, and for her to share all of that with us was just amazing. I know there was some funny sounds, and in, in the day and age we're living in, in Zoom and having the opportunity to talk to people all over the world really. But it comes with some technical things. So I'm, we'll put it together and put it out there. And we really hope people enjoy it as much as we did. I could have really continued to listen to her for another half hour.
1: I could listen more than a half hour, but yeah, what we got was fantastic.
0: I think so too.
1: So Lisa, for anyone who wants to get a hold of us, we have our
0: website, theviewinyourmirror.com. And on there, you have links to all of our episodes (laughs) that we've done thus far. And we
1: are on, what does our social media look like? We have LinkedIn. We have Twitter. We have Instagram. We have Facebook.
0: We love talking about what people are talking about. And we love being able to bring this podcast to you. So when you look in your mirror, give yourself a beautiful smile and realize that you are the best version of yourself. Until next time.